All right, guys. I'm excited for this one. This is episode one in season five. What is that? Episode what? Exactly. 60 something. I think 60 something. Yeah, 60 something. 60. 60? On the dot. On the dot. It's been oh, wow. a long, long break. We had a lot of stuff going on in between. Yeah, you had a child, right? I had a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark's getting married in two weeks, three yeah. weeks. Three weeks, nice. yes. Yeah. And we do have some breaking news. No pun intended for how we used to start the show. Yeah. But hit me with a drum roll. We got some breaking news, and that is for season five. If you don't know already from following us on social media, we have joined the Bar Network. Hey, hey, and to celebrate that partnership for the first episode of season five, we are joined with Dwayne. You're Atkinson. hyping it up like there's going to be some fireworks or something, bro. Woo-hoo. In the baby blue trims. <laughs> we are joined with Dwayne. He's going to join us for this episode on the Book of Romans. Dwayne, why don't you say something, bro? Hey, bro. First of all, whenever you finish, and I need some air horns right, right when oh, you, you got them. They're ready. You, you just, you you just can't hear it, remember? <laughs> but no, man, I'm super excited to be here, man. Super honored to be on your podcast. I'm super excited about the, the partnership and having you guys on the Bar Podcast Network. Um, since since you guys joined, you know, it's just a, a breath of fresh air, man, just to have people that are in the podcast game, still excited about it, still putting out good, solid content. And, um, and and you guys got me out of my comfort zone, but for you, because you're new and I love you, I, I, I will do it. You guys got me reading instead of coming off the top of my head, but we're going to make it work. My man. Yeah, there you go. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. <laughs> and, and we're discussing one of the most important books, if not the True. most important book in all of the Bible, a gospel-centered book like the book of Romans. And I'm excited about that. But before we dive in, you know how we start the show if you're a regular listener. But if you're not, let me introduce you to this segment. Bible dingers ding or no ding. Hey, ding or no ding. I'm Nick. I'm here with Ryan and Mark. And we are Bible Dingers. And we start each and every episode with Ding or No Ding, where I come up with a new a news headline. And Ryan and Mark have to guess whether it's Ding, which is real, or No Ding, which is fake. But instead of putting them on the chopping block, which you could definitely participate. You could uh <laughs> oh, Dwayne, thank you. Sure. Dwayne can use you as a lifeline. Okay. He can mm. phone a friend. Okay. Uh, we're going to put Dwayne on the spot, and we're going to read you a headline, and you okay. have to guess whether it be ding or no ding. But before you get your answer, we do have a sound bite just to prepare you. So let me know when you have your answer. I'll hit it, and you let us know. So let me be clear. Ding is true or false? <laughs> ding is true. No ding is false. Got it. All right. You guys ready for this? I'm ready. Ooh, I didn't say that in a while. Yeah. I said, Dwayne, are you ready for this? All right. The Navy has developed a weapon that stops you 
from talking by blasting your own voice back at you. <laughs> That's right, Ryan. Ryan, say something. Say something. <clears throat> oh. <clears throat> keep going, keep going. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Sounds like a gun. Okay. Is that ding or no ding? Let me know when you have an answer. I think I have an answer. To ding or not to ding? That Are you ready for is it? the question. What is the answer? We're ready. What do you think? No ding. No ding. No ding. No ding. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a dangerous play, my friend. Ooh. What do you think, Ryan? I think ding. What do you think, Mark? Uh, I, I think ding, yeah. All right. Well, on the first episode that you're joining us, you are wrong. Oh. That is ding. I have no idea what practical purpose this would serve other than annoying the heck out of people. <laughs> But hey, it's a thing, and the U.S. Navy has successfully invented a special electronic device that is designed to stop people from talking, a form of non-lethal weapon. The new electronic device effectively repeats a speaker's own voice back at them, and only them, while they attempt to talk. Do you want to play this one out? You want to try something here? Well, I don't want to play it out, but I do want to say that I didn't get it at first. I didn't at get it first, at first. It sounded kind of. I didn't dumb get it at first. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't get, I didn't get it at first. But now, you see, it works, huh? That I'm thinking about it. Whenever you're on like a Zoom call or a Teams meeting or whatever, and somebody's thing is unmuted, and you're like hearing yourself echo, it like completely like I don't even know mm -hmm. where I live anymore after yeah. that. Like I'm <laughs> completely out of it. <laughs> Now, you know how everything, like a lot of technology from the military will get trickled down to like common people. Mm -hmm. Like this is totally going to be trickled down to moms everywhere trying to shut up their kids. <laughs> you know? So I could see it now, right? You're, go you're going to be at war and they just start setting up Bluetooth speakers all around the Ooh, war zone. Yeah. And then you just hear the same voice repeating itself over and over <laughs> and over again. I mean, I could see it. I mean... You know, that's kind of what I'm the not Israelites touching you. did. Am I hurting you? Yeah. It's kind of like what Chinese torture, right? Or yeah. Voices in my head telling me that I won't make it, but I like a challenge. So I just keep going, trusting the Lord. The more that I know, the more that I grow, the more that I show the devil that he's on the bottom of my soul. Yeah, he's on the bottom of my soul. This is what I know. Life comes and life goes, and I'm not about to sit around and let time pass me by. <laughs> All right, so today we are talking about the book of Romans, and uh, like Nick has so eloquently already told us, we have our friend, our friend, our friend, uh, Dwayne, joining us for this episode, and we are going to start this episode with Where are the turtles? Where are they? The title of the book, Dwayne, you want to kick us off? Sure thing. The title is Roman. Ooh, <laughs> I didn't see that coming, bro. Hey, bro, I'm in this. The wind is. All right. Similar to almost all of Paul's letters, um, the title comes from the name of the city where the uh, recipient church is located. The only epistle where it isn't true is Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. Nice. Like Philemon. And Philemon? Yeah. 
right? Philemon. We, where I'm All from, right. we call it Philemon. Yeah, that's, that's I think fine. it depends on where you're from, man. That's fine. Oh, where are you real? from, Dwayne? You're from uh, Atlanta, North too? Carolina, man. We North in the Carolina? South. Oh. Yeah, we put everything together. I can redo it, though. Philemon. No, no, no. Philemon. <laughs> I'm cool with Philemon. I feel it, Matter of fact, I feel it, man. Philemon. You, you, you made it sound cooler. Philemon's up in heaven, like, yo. <laughs> I'm feeling that, bro. I, I feel a mind. <laughs> All right, next up on uh, in the episode, we do have to answer a question, and that is, who wrote this? <laughs> Why don't you tell us who wrote it, Dwayne? So this book uh, is written by Paul. There's no debate over the authorship of this book. Not even skeptics can uh, debate it. Paul's name names himself as a writer in uh, chapter one, verse one. And there are many facts that point to his authorship. He said he's of the tribe of Benjamin, which Benjamin is my first name. Nice. Uh, he sent greetings to uh, Priscilla and Aquila. He refers to one of his trips to Jerusalem confirmed in Acts. He mentions his intention to visit Rome, which is also confirmed in Acts. There you nice. go. Yeah. So Romans is one of the most well uh, attested to books when it comes to authorship. There's really no debate. Like Dwayne said, even skeptics don't really uh, choose to follow that path because they know it would end in destruction. Destruction. Yeah. So I wanted to talk a little bit about Paul. We're jumping into the Pauline epistles in this season. So it's probably right that you would know a little bit about his background. So Paul was born right around the same time that Jesus was. He was born a Jewish man of the tribe of Benjamin, but also had Roman citizenship since he was born in Tarsus. Tarsus, which I've also heard Tarshish, mm -hmm. I believe, uh, was a city in Cilicia, which was a province in modern-day Turkey. He became a Pharisee under the strictest Jewish sect and studied under Gamaliel, who was a well-known rabbi. He then became a persecutor of Christians and famously held people's robes as they stoned Stephen. However, while on his way to Damascus to arrest Christians there, he had a miraculous conversion. He was stopped in the road by a blinding light. Shout out to Alex Zink and his undying, undying light. And Jesus spoke directly to him. Paul immediately turned and started preaching the gospel after this. So a pretty amazing conversion story goes from killing Christians to writing our Bible. Hmm. Uh, so the Bible tells us that after his conversion, he narrowly escaped Damascus with his life. And then he spent three years in Nabataean Arabia, which is southeast of the Dead Sea, which is modern day Jordan. This is where he received a lot of his doctrine as direct revelation from God. And we learn that in Galatians 1 verses 11 through 12. So Paul was one of the core reasons the gospel spread so rapidly across the Roman Empire in those days. He was tirelessly preaching, traveling, and planting churches. He experienced trials and persecution all throughout his ministry, especially towards the end. He went on three major missionary journeys and then returned to Jerusalem. And while he was in Jerusalem, he was falsely accused and beaten by some Jews and then arrested by the Romans. He was, however, found not guilty by two Roman governors, Felix and Festus, and Herod Agrippa. But the Jewish leaders were pressuring the Romans so hard that he remained in custody. As a Roman citizen, he appealed his custody directly to Caesar, 
And then after a crazy two-week storm at sea, which turned into a shipwreck, Paul finally arrived in Rome. He was released for a short period and then was arrested again and martyred in Rome between 65 and 67 A.D. So that is Paul's story. It's a, it's a lot of twists and turns. Like I said, he started as a persecutor of the church, was uh, pretty extravagantly converted to Christianity, and became one of the leaders of the early church, and then went through some severe persecution by being arrested, uh, by being mocked, and then eventually martyred. And then there's also stories about shipwrecks in between there, and he's been poor and rich, and he, he just had a, a pretty crazy eventful life. So that's a little bit about Paul, the author of the book. Next, I want to talk about when he wrote this book. So there's quite a bit of history behind all of Paul's missionary trips, and we're actually going to give a full summary of those trips in the Corinthian episodes. I think probably specifically the second Corinthians episode. Uh, so to save some time, we're just going to tell you when this was written, and I want you guys to stay tuned for First and Second Corinthians, which is actually like eight or nine episodes away because we have several interviews in yeah. between now and then. Yeah. But stay tuned. Uh, three months from now, we'll, we'll go into a little <laughs> bit more depth uh, about Paul's missionary trips. So this was written towards the end of his third missionary trip from Corinth during the winter of late 56 into early 57 AD. He had already written Galatians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, and 1st and 2nd Corinthians by the time he wrote Romans. So uh, another thing that you should know is that the Pauline epistles are not in chronological order. Mm -hmm. uh, they're in order of length, I believe. It goes from the longest book to the shortest book. Except for when there's like a first and second, that's kind of the exception. They put Second Corinthians, Second Thessalonians after the first. It's not necessarily length there, but overall, it's length of the book, longest to shortest. Gotcha. Next up is the historical context, uh, which is um, something that we're breaking for the first time for this episode, right? Yeah, it is. It yeah, is. season five, we. You know, not many people know the historical context of any book that they read. So we think it's really important to get your mind wrapped around the context of the book before you dive into the outline or any of the other facts. So here we go. What's interesting about the historical context is depending on the commentary that you're looking at, there are different theologians that believe different things about this book. Mm -hmm. um, and and that, I find that extremely interesting. But based on my understanding... Um, the Emperor Claudius had thrown the Jews out of Rome, and because the Jews weren't there, the church the church was replaced by Gentiles. And then when they were allowed back in, the church looked completely different than the way the Jews left it, and they got awfully offended because things were not done in the religious and traditional way that they were used to. So here Paul is talking about um, essential and non-essential doctrine and things that we should be dividing over and things that we should not be dividing over. But that is it, my understanding of why the book was written in a nutshell. But if you read MacArthur or R.C. Sproul or many other Romans uh, commentaries for that matter, different theologians will come up with different reasons, not come up, but have studied different reasons as to why this book was written. Yeah, they'll make it up. Mm -hmm. They make it up <laughs> on along the way. You know. <laughs> But regardless, I think my understanding will help you understand 
what's going on in this book and why Paul is writing what he's writing um, and to whom he's writing to, which we will discuss now, the recipients of this letter. Some scholars say that there is not necessarily a singular Roman church to whom this letter is written, and it is addressed in uh, chapter 1, verse 7, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. There definitely was a church in Rome because Paul sent greetings to the church that meets at Priscilla and Aquila's house. It is likely that there were many churches in Rome since it was such a large population center. So this letter was written to many congregations. It's definitely a safe thing to believe in in that way. And of note is that this letter is written both to Jews and to Gentiles, as I mentioned before. We already know that some re- uh, recipients were Jewish. So we have Aquila, Andronicus, Junius, and Herodian. And they're all in that group. And there was indeed a large group of Jewish people that lived near each other in Rome. And Rome was a Gentile city, though. So that's interesting. And the Jewish population was very small in comparison to the Gentile population. Okay, so within the letter, Paul calls himself the apostle to the Gentiles. He addresses Jews directly in chapter 2, verse 17, and also speaks to Jewish Christians when speaking of Abraham, our forefather. Then at another time, he says, I am talking to you, Gentiles. Other segments of Romans do make it seem as if the audience is predominantly Gentiles, such as chapter 11, verses 17 to 31, chapter 15, verses 14 through 16, chapter 1, verse 5 and 13. Um, So, you know... This was written to both Jews and Gentiles that were spread out across a few congregations. Next up, we will discuss the Roman church. No one is 100% sure how the churches began to exist in Rome because prior to the writing of this letter, there are no known apostolic visits to Rome. It is most likely that the church was started on Pentecost when Peter preached and people heard in their native tongue and 3,000 people were saved. At that time, many people were visiting from other areas, which is why people had to hear the gospel in their own tongue. Someone who heard the gospel that day probably went back and began spreading the gospel just like it happens today. Because of that, this epistle was mainly written in order to set a doctrinal foundation, like we said before. What are essential doctrines? What are we supposed to believe in as Christians? What are unshakable truths? And it is full of general theology from start to finish. And um, I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, so one thing that is common in the book of Romans, and it's common in many of Paul's epistles, is the problem with Judaizers. And these are people who tried to push Jewish uh, Old Testament laws on the Gentile believers. So you will see that in Romans. That's a big issue in Romans. Those those are the dogs in Philippians. Yeah, they're in Mm -hmm. Philippians, Galatians. Constantly you see the Judaizers popping up in in Paul's epistles. Yep. Next up is (laughs) the purpose of the book. So we hit on this in the context section, but Paul originally intended for this letter to lay a deep and firm theological foundations for believers in Rome. And this is probably... I won't say probably. This is the richest and most profound book theologically in the Bible. If you want to know 
theology words. If you want to learn what, you know, if you, if you want to really enrich yourself and, and grow in knowledge of theology, this is a letter. There is a lot to be learned here. Yeah, for sure. All right, next up, Dwayne is... Hold up. Max. Oh, my bad. <laughs> Fun facts. All right. Fun facts. So, Paul was actually trying to strengthen the Roman church to prepare for a missionary trip out to Spain. Chapter 15, verse 22 through 24. He wanted believers from Rome to accompany him as well as be a launch pad Are for you the dope? mission further west. Sorry, read that again. I hit the Jeez, I hit the thing by mistake. <laughs> that was good, man. You it was. A good <laughs> Jeez. Read that last sentence again. He wanted believers from Rome to accompany him as well as be a launch pad for the mission further west. Of course, this trip didn't happen because he was martyred before it could. Bruh. Romans is the longest book of Paul's epistles. And they're in order in the New Testament from longest to shortest. Ryan actually spoiled that fun back. Yeah, uh, yeah. that fact's not very on, fun anymore. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't even realize. Paul quoted the Old Testament more often in Romans than he did in all the other epistles combined. He quoted from 14 different Old Testament books. Man. Occur. Ah. Pizza's done. Okay, thanks, babe. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, thanks babe. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Danny. Dwayne, the pizza's ready. <laughs> All right. I need to. No, nah, I can't eat no pizza. <laughs> you can't. It's a cheat day. No, that's Saturday, buddy. Sat I, every I, Saturday? I live, for, I live for my cheat day, fam. Mm. Like, when I'm eating that chicken and broccoli, I'm thinking about what I'm going to have on Saturday. Every, every Saturday, you can have one meal or all day? Yeah, one meal. One, one meal. meal, whatever you want. Whatever I want, however much I want, cookies, cake, ice cream, waffles. But that's hamburger. not one meal. That's one meal. That's one sitting. <laughs> oh, so as long as you don't uh, get up. Exactly. Bro, so buffets don't I count. To, I go to Wiener Works, Waffle House. Wiener Wendy's. Works? <laughs> what is this place? <laughs> Never heard of it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, you already got a plan for this Saturday? Um, so I, I think I do. I just bought a new, uh, griddle. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to have me a triple stack burger that I'm going to make Whoa. myself. Dang, wow. man. The fries? Triple. <laughs> of course. Can't do it without fries, bro. Oh, bro. You got to have fries. Look at you. All right. Next up is. It's outline time. Guys, it is outline time. And there are one, two, three. Four, five, I'm not stopping. Six, seven points. Seven points. Seven points. Seven, seven, seven points. I'm feeling it, And I'm going to start with the first one, which is the introduction. Chapter one, verse one through 17. Um, so chapter one, verse one, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Uh, interesting point about the introduction and the word translated to servant actually means slave in the Greek. Slave is not a bad term in this passage, but it's simply saying that we are slaves to Christ since he paid the price for our lives. That's also the heading for my Twitter page is uh, Slave of Christ. Nice. The subject of the epistle, chapter one, verse two through five, God has promised to send a descendant through David to break the power of sin. God always keeps his word. Thank God that he does. 
Amen. These verses are also a reminder of the dual nature of Jesus. He is 100% man and 100% God, the son. Uh, one of my favorite Shaolin songs is uh, Hyperstatic Union. That's what that means. Y'all look it up. That's classic. Yeah, man. The original recipients, chapter one, verse six through seven, to all those who are in Rome and called to be saints. This is the second time Paul used the word called, introducing a huge theological study, the study of election. Also a good Shaolin song. <laughs> Shout out to Shaolin. Are you getting on? Know, are right? you getting him on the show for us now or what? Hey, bro, I, he, he got to come on my show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The purpose, chapter one, verse eight through 15. Paul was eager to go to encourage them spiritually, not just the Jews, but to the Gentiles. And the new term, barbarians, Gentiles who weren't Greek speaking, he was eager to preach the gospel to them. All right. Theme, chapter one, verse 16 through 17. Despite persecution, discrimination and ostracization, Paul was proud to share the gospel. He was unashamed. Hey, Dwayne. Good job, my man. Come on. Let's give him a round of applause. Paul through. First guest of season five. And this man is killing this episode. You know what? I'm going to hang up my jersey. You could take my place on Bible Thinkers. Oh, no, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see the sweat that's, that's going on behind this. Yeah, camera. right. <laughs> Is that why you blurred your background? <laughs> oh, it's crazy over here. All right. Thank the Lord. Second part of this outline is the need for God's righteousness. That starts in chapter 1, verse 18, into chapter 3, verse 20. But it's broken up into a few parts. First, we're... Uh, we're approached with the need of all people in chapter 1, verses 18 through 32, is broken up into three parts. The reason for human guilt, the ungodliness of mankind, and the wickedness of mankind. The reason for human guilt in chapter 1, verse 18, is that God is holy, 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 and we are not. His wrath will be poured out on those who are unrighteous. And we ask the question, what is righteousness? What, what does that even mean? And it's simple. It's simply having a right relationship with God through Christ. So you come to him in faith, and you are therefore declared as a child of God through Christ Jesus. So that's the reason for human guilt, though. We know we serve a holy, holy, holy God, and we all fall short of that glory. Next up is the ungodliness of mankind in chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. These verses explain something called general revelation, that all people are, are um, exposed to the power of God through creation. God is clearly shown to everyone through his power and the creation of the world. So people are ungodly because they exchange the knowledge that they get through general revelation. And they exchange that knowledge of God for sin. Next up is the wickedness of mankind in verses 28 through 32 of chapter 1. God gave them up to what they wanted. Although men knew that sin brings death, they not only do them, but they start pretending that bad is good. We're seeing that in today's society, right? That they want to make bad good. They want to normalize sin. And, and it's not okay. And Paul is really clear here that it's wicked, that it's unrighteous. And we need Jesus. That's really his driving point here. Anyway, let's keep it moving, right? You know you have a preacher voice? Do yeah, I? yeah, you have your voice, and then you have your preacher voice. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, because whenever I go watch you preach, you you preach in a certain voice. That's so funny. And you you had your preacher voice for a second. Oh there. yeah. Yeah, you did. Yeah. That's the only reason why I thought of it. That's so funny. Yeah. I think everybody has a preacher voice. You think so? You have a preacher voice, Dwayne? Yes, I do. <laughs> deep. No, I, I get deep that. like a uh, Vody when I preach. Oh. Okay. Yeah. That's that's Vody. great. I like that. <laughs> I like Vody. Vody has like the best voice. He does. Oh, he out does. Of all the other reform teachers. Oh, yes. Vody yeah. definitely has that's the best. That's what matters. Voice. Yeah. The voice is what matters. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, Mark, you got something here, bro? Uh, yeah, I have. Guys, Speaking of voice, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I have my voice. This is it. Oh, it's my voice. No, guys, I have a ding moment. Ooh, all right. Yeah. You shouting out all the way back to what, a year ago when we did ding moments on YouTube? Yeah, it was yeah. a while ago. Bringing it back today. Because we're Bible dingers. That's true. You know? That's what we do. We bring the ding. Yeah, so the ding moment is like scripture that jumps out at you and you have like a light bulb go off in your head, mm-hmm. yep. you know? So when I was reading through Romans, this chapter two kind of like went off at me. It was like screaming at me about how we're not in a position to judge sinners. And I feel like this is a really tough word for a lot of people just to not judge others. It's something I've like really struggled with in my life to not be judgmental of other people. And just because we have Christ, we don't have this, um, I don't know, a certificate that we just get to judge the world now. Mm-hmm. However, there is a nuance to it. I think we're called to judge other Christians to make sure that, you know, we're all following scripture and leading each other towards Christ. But, um, you know, in this chapter, Paul's talking about all the, the sinfulness of mankind, you know, and then after that, he's talking to the Jews and he's saying, you're convinced that you are a guide for the blind and the light for people who are lost in darkness, but you failed to teach yourselves what you're trying to teach everyone else. So yeah. I, just, I feel like it's very sobering, something we need to be talking more as Christians and, you know, trying to be a light in the world is not condemning the world. It's teaching them Jesus. Yeah. And I do want to, I want to clarify something. So being a light is really, you know, preaching truth and saying what's right and what's wrong. So judgment is not necessarily saying what's right and wrong. Like the world wants you to think that like as a Christian, you can't say that's wrong because God's word says that's wrong. That's not judgment. Not judging in the sense of what Paul is saying here is saying, I'm better than you because mm-hmm. I'm a Christian. Yeah. And because you're a sinner, I'm better than you. And that's that's totally anti-Christian. I'm not better than you. Paul is very clear. We all fall short of the glory of God. We mm-hmm. could still call things black and white, but by doing that, we also have to recognize that we are sinners too. Yeah. And we have to call the bad on our own life as well. And we have to repent of our own sins and not be hypocrites. Mm-hmm. We have to make sure that we are are being a light and not being a hypocrite. Right. Well, that also, actually goes yeah. back to the log and the speck. Then I was at Jesus. He didn't say you couldn't judge. He just said, make sure you take care of yours as yeah. well. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah, our society likes to, you know, enforce that saying, you know, only God mm-hmm. could judge me. Or yeah. whatever the case may be. You better hope not. Which is, <laughs> you know, which I see what they're trying to do here. But if God really judged you, mm-hmm. we'd all be going to hell. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, yeah. So in reality, we have Jesus. And that's the focus of this is the fact that without Jesus, we're, we're helpless. We're that's hopeless. Right. We got nothing. So thank God for Jesus. Right? <laughs> yep. And to that, brother. Yep. But in regards to judgment... Um, there are principles here, God's principles of judgment in chapter two. 
and, and beginning of verse 1 going into 16, Paul's reminding the Roman church that we are all guilty of at least some of those sins. So how can we judge others for those same sins, right? The key is don't be a hypocrite. That is hypocritical and undermines forgiveness. At the same time, Paul is not saying, let sin abound. You know, we, we see that in Romans 6. We're going to get there. But no, Paul's not saying let sin abound. Lovingly addressing sin issues is different than looking down on someone else's sin struggles, thinking that you're better than them. So here Paul is calling out the religious Jews who have been condemning the sinful Gentiles. So Paul is trying to bring unity within the church and saying, listen, you're not better than the Gentiles because you're Jewish and because you think you're traditional and good. You're, no, you're not. You're just as bad as the Gentiles. So stop throwing stones at them and start focusing on what matters here. And that's the essential doctrine that's important. That's Jesus. That's unity, right? You want to see shit? <laughs> you want to see shit, bro? She shit. You want to see shit? All right, next up is the Jew of, whoa, the Jew of the guilt. No, the guilt of the Jews in chapter 2, 17 to 29. Here Paul begins to narrow in on one of the issues preventing unity, the self-righteous Persian, Persian, the self-righteous person of Jewish descent. You call yourself a Jew just because of your heritage and culture is like saying you are a Christian because you go to church or you're saved because you were born into a Christian family. No. Ultimately, God cares more about heart actions than head knowledge. Being able to quote large passages of scripture or debate every doctrine is really meaningless if that knowledge hasn't changed your heart and it hasn't changed your life. It hasn't changed your actions. So, um, you know, like I was talking to my people on Patreon, it really, in a nutshell, is God cares about you living authentically, not religiously. Mm. Of course, religion is a part of being authentic and you do things traditionally and in the church within the church because that's what we're called to do but without an authentic heart it's just empty religion and that's not what god wants mm -hmm. um then we have the answers to objections in chapter three in the beginning of it moving into verse eight shout out to my sermon where i teach on <laughs> jewish advantage so Shouts make sure you sermon. check that out I'm shouting out my own sermon. Hey, if you're listening, if you haven't listened, if you're to listening, it, shouts out on this particular <laughs> passage. I do teach on what it means to have Jewish advantage. What does that even mean? You know, they get the oracles of God, all this other stuff. So make sure you check out that sermon if you want access to it. I'll happily send it to you. Just DM, DM us on Instagram at Bible Dingers. Anyway, chapter two ends with Paul saying, "You can't be good enough." Doing the right actions for the wrong reasons isn't enough. Remember, Paul's audience is a disunified Roman church made up of Jews and Gentiles. He is prepared for pushback from the religious Jews. And what's really interesting, this blew my mind when I found this out. His logic is so meticulous that for the first 100 or so years of the Harvard Law School, first-year students were required to work their way through Romans because of the careful way in which Paul builds his argument. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. That should have right. been a fun fact. Yeah. Wow. That is cool. I didn't want to leave Dwayne with too much to read. Oh, I there see. I, I could have handled that one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it's so meticulous that they use it at Harvard. Isn't that cool? It's amazing. Yeah. All right. Next up is the guilt of all humanity in chapter three, starting in verse nine, moving into 20. God may have come to the Jews first, but when it comes to sin, 
Jews, and Gentiles are equally guilty. Oddly enough, Paul's point was meant to unify the divided church. Both Jew and Gentile were sinners. Who needed what? Jesus. That's the whole purpose. That's the whole goal. It's to bring people to Jesus. Anyway, let's move into... I feel like I took a large chunk of this. Yeah, you definitely did. And you put you put a boatload of notes because this is your favorite book. It is my yeah. <laughs> it is my favorite. It's book. just Bible study. Yeah. Here we are at part three: the imputation of God's righteousness. So basically, we have the description of justification in chapter three, moving into verse twenty-six, and verse twenty-five talks about propitiation. And propitiation has a two-part meaning: the wiping away of sins and also the punishment for them. And um, God has made Jesus our propitiation means that the blood of Jesus wipes away our sin and that blood came from the punishment for our sins. And then we have the defense of justification by faith alone in chapter 3. Paul is making it clear that faith alone is the only way to be justified and works do not save you. Living a moral life does not save you either. Then we have the proof of justification by faith from the law in chapter 4. Michael Horton actually makes a really good point in our interview with him, and I want you to stay tuned for that. But basically, he says, imagine standing before God on Judgment Day and trying to argue why he should accept you based on your good works. Can you ever imagine how many more sins you've done than good works at the end of your life and how that judgment is going to look like? Yeah, um, at least but, 10. Yeah, you know, at least 10 good works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at least 10. Anyway, the proof at least ten. At least ten. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the proof of justification is split up into six parts: Abraham's justification, David's testimony to justification. So um, Paul, through this, is driving home the point that faith, not works, is what saves us by using Abraham and David as examples, and the priority of faith to circumcision in chapter four. So. He's returning to a source of division in the Roman church, Jew versus Gentile, circumcision versus uncircumcised. Uh, you know, what causes God's blessing? He's answering these things here. Then we have the priority of faith to the promise concerning headship of many nations in chapter 4, 13 through 17. So the promise given to Abraham did not come through just obeying the law. The purpose of the law was to show how much we fall short so that we can seek Christ. Then we have the exemplary value of Abraham's faith. Abraham believed, even when his body was old, that God would fulfill his promise to him and that he would be a father of many nations. And moving into the conclusions from Abraham's example, basically Abraham's faith is not just an isolated story that took place thousands and thousands of years ago. It still has application for us today. Faith and trust in God is what makes us righteous before God through Christ. Our faith is that Jesus died in our place and defeated the curse of sin. Amen. Amen. Amen, Pastor. All right. Then we have the benefits of justification. And uh, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's really the benefit. Peace, man. Peace, man. Then we have the restorative effects of justification in chapter 5, verses 12 to 21. Through Christ, we are made right and restored back into a relationship with God. Next up is part four of the outline. And actually, Mark is going to take... A part of this outline. Marky. Switch it up a bit for season five. Marky. Marky. Look at you. The impartation of God's righteousness. Chapter six. Look at you. Look at you. 
That was scary. (laughs) The impartation of God's righteousness, chapters 6 through 8. The believer's relationship to sin, chapter 6. So this is broken up into two parts. The first part is freedom from sin in uh, chapter 6, 1 through 14. Uh, talks about grace is not to be abused. And then the second part is slavery to righteousness from verses 15 to 23. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. And then now chapter 7, the believer's relationship to the law. This is broken up into three sections. The first one is the law's authority, uh, verses 1 to 6. Paul is talking about the Mosaic law and the people who trust that for their eternal life um, and how it ultimately cannot save them. And then the second section is the law's activity, verses 7 to 12. Uh, The law doesn't create sin, but it creates a desire to sin. Um, Not its purpose, but the sinful nature without the Holy Spirit doing its thing. The Holy Spirit's got to do its thing, bro. Holy Spirit, do your thing. You can't do nobody else's thing. Mm -hmm. Got it. All right. It's not the easiest condensing reading this for the first time, but... Well, you need to get better at it, Mark. And then the third section, the law's inability from verses 13 to 25. Uh, This is the most controversial verses in all of the Bible, or at least one of them. Uh, Scholars have been arguing about these verses for years. Um, I know this section has also really stuck with me and challenged me a lot too, trying Mm -hmm. to figure out what it means. Yeah. Uh, But the reality is without the Holy Spirit... The war with the sinful nature always leads to defeat, but now we stand in victory of Christ and are introduced with the glorious words of Romans. Romans uh, 8. That's Romans, what I meant. Romans 8. Romans yeah, star. I forgot to hit. I hit shit. <laughs> <laughs> Romans Romans star. asterisk. So, yeah, we're introduced with the glorious words of Romans 8 that says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Glorious. Bruh. Yeah. Bah. Should I keep going or uh you know, whatever. Whatever. <coughs> you wanna skip chapter eight? I'll handle eight. Why not? Okay. All right, next up is chapter eight. Romans seven is definitely one of my favorites to argue. I love that. But the like you said, the most the, the beautiful part of Romans eight is that it kind of answers all of our questions. That there is no condemnation. So here we are, the believer's relationship to God in chapter eight is hands down my favorite chapter of Romans. And, you know, some of our favorite teachers, like John Piper, even says that it's the greatest chapter of the Bible. Um, but it's it's split up into six parts. Our deliverance from the flesh by the power of the Spirit. Our new relationship to God. So basically, Jesus paid our debt. Our present sufferings and future glory. Basically, any earthly suffering, no matter how extreme, how long, how intense, is nothing in comparison to the glory of of being in God's presence in heaven when this life passes by. Then we have our place in God's sovereign plan. So your individual part in God's plan might not be easy. God's good plan for Christians is to make you more like Jesus, not to give you a good, in a materialistic way, earthly life. And then we have our eternal security in chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. God has done all the work for your salvation. This should make you ecstatic. The reassurance gives me joy and peace and strength, strength to take on whatever my life throws at me, really, knowing that glory awaits for those who are in Christ Jesus. Then we have the Christian's triumph song in verses 31 through 39 as we close out chapter 8. 
If God is for us, who can be against us? For those in Christ, nothing can separate us from the love of God. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what so is that? That is part five. Sorry, that was part four of Romans. I'm getting ahead of myself, guys. I am going to do part five, which is God's plan. God's plan. You know what I'm talking about? Bibledingers.com. God's plan. Yeah, who sings that? Drizzy. Who? <laughs> Drizzy. Is it? Is it really his name? D. Rake. <laughs> okay. Okay, so God's plan, uh, chapter 9 through chapter 11. So, uh, this is the most debated portion of scripture when so? it comes to soteriology or anything maybe potentially uh this includes the famous romans 9 in this section there's quite a, a bit of intersectionality i'm going to go with a 2021 word Ooh. there's quite a bit of intersectionality between israel and gentiles and their roles in the church and in history and if they have if they're the same or if they're separate so there's uh debates over dispensationalism there's debates over uh soteriology there's debates over every which way in these in these next couple chapters and so that's why i am so thankful that nick assigned these chapters to me so that i could take the heat and I, no I'm pretty one else. sure you divided this. I absolutely did not divide this. You divided it. You divided this. You're dividing us. And in, in turn, I'm going to sue you. <laughs> so I, uh, that was a very long introduction. So Israel comes up quite a bit in the next couple sections. First section is chapter nine verses one through five. And we're going to call that the tragedy of Israel. And this is where Paul talks about how they were given the whole Old Testament, yet they have rejected Christ. Next is God's sovereign freedom. And these are these are the hot verses, verses 6 through 29. Uh, and that's broken up into a few sections here. The first one is God's work by election in verses 6 through 13. He calls to salvation, and he has a choice in the matter. Is uh, I'm going to be honest, that's my default here, and so that's that's how you're going to hear it. Following that is God's purpose is mercy. That's in verses 14 through 18. So this these few verses basically say that he shows mercy to whom he desires, and he's glorified through the showing of that mercy. Hmm. The next section is God's wrath and God's mercy. And so this is a famous analogy here of the potter. And it, it talks about how the potter can make vessels for both glory and for common use. And the vessel cannot say to the potter, why have you made me this way? <clears throat> so this is, I believe, <clears throat> what uh, Leighton Flowers' book is uh, based on. And uh, the reason why I bring him up is because he's going to join us in a couple episodes uh, to talk about this very topic. So with that being said, did we actually talk about how we're going to have guests talking about this topic? Did I say that in my long-winded introduction to these chapters? No, so we will have <laughs> a Calvinist 
an Arminian, and a provisionalist. That's, yes. That's what I would call him, but I don't know what he calls himself. Yes, he calls himself a provisionist. We have Dr. Michael Horton, who's going to be on the show, I think, the next episode, who's going to present the case for Calvinism. Then after that, we have Dr. Michael Brown, who's going to be joining us to give an argument for Arminianism. And then following that, we have Dr. Leighton Flowers, who's going to join us to talk about uh, sort of uh, a belief that's not either one, but uh, is is getting kind of popular, and that's provisionism. They are all going to come on to give their perspectives on soteriology, which is the study of salvation, which you can watch our Prolegomena YouTube series to learn all these terms. Um, when is that dropping? Well, it depends on when you're listening to this. It could be in a few weeks, or it could be two years ago, you know. Ah. You know what I mean? Got it. So It's in the works. Stay tuned, or go check it out on our YouTube page. So anyways, soteriology is very heavy in these couple chapters, and so that's why we're having those people on. So next is human responsibility in chapter 9, verse 30, to chapter 10, verse 21. And so there's a little bit of a dance here between free will and election, and that's what people have been trying to figure out with these debates in between these different beliefs. So first is the stumbling stone in chapter 9, verses 30 through 33. And this is talking about how Gentiles attained righteousness, not because they pursued faith, but because God placed a stumbling stone before them and they basically stumbled into righteousness. They had no say in it. God basically caused them to have righteousness. He placed a stumbling stone in front of them. Next is the two ways of righteousness. And we get that we have, we've now moved from Romans 9 into Romans 10. And, and these are verses 1 through 13. And this talks about how Moses wrote about righteousness that was based on the law. Those who followed the law must abide by it. Then there is righteousness which comes by faith. We confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead and we are saved. So that's a famous verse from Romans 10. And that is the righteousness that we have. It's a righteousness by faith because Christ saved us. Next is the worldwide proclamation of this gospel in verses 14 through 21. And this is where we find that famous verse, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news, go and make disciples to the ends of the earth. And that is not only a call for the Roman readers of this book, it is also the call that God has for your life. All right. And then uh, we have another large section here, which is chapter 11. And I title this portion, God's Promises Will Be Fulfilled. And I, I say that sort of from my dispensational set of resources, I have to be honest. So there is debate, heavy debate, like I said in the introduction to these very controversial chapters, on what exactly 11 is about. But I'm going to read it to you the way I've always read this. So first is the remnant of Israel in verses 1 through 10. And basically, if you read it sort of plainly, it says that there has been to this day a remnant preserved according to God's gracious choice. So God is preserving a remnant of Israel. 
at the time of writing Romans. Next is the restoration of Israel. And it says that Israel, and I want to stress, can be restored if they believe again. So it doesn't explicitly say that Israel will be restored just because they're Israel. Israel. It says that Israel can be restored if they believe again. So important caveat there. Strike against uh, my personal dispensational beliefs. <laughs> Following that is the glory of God. Chapter 11, verses 33 through 36. It's a quick little praise at the end of these uh, very intense passages that basically talks about how God is unfathomable and glorious. Uh, and so that is what should be coming out of our study of deep theological doctrines in the Bible is we should be praising God for how unfathomable and glorious he is that we cannot understand his ways because his ways are higher than our ways. Am I right? Are you yeah. doing? All right. We are rolling. We're getting close to the end here. Uh, we have chapter 12 through 15 is the sixth major portion of Romans. And that is basically a portion about Christian living. So there's a lot of practical uh, lessons within these few chapters. The first one is the Christian attitude to life. And this is where it says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Present your body as a holy and living sacrifice. So your body is for the work of the kingdom. It is not for your own gratification. Next is the Christian attitude to other Christians. So the first attitude we have to have is humility. That's in verse 3. The second attitude we have to have is we have to recognize that there is differences of functions within the church. And that's in verses 4 through 8. And this is where he talks about there are many parts of one body. There are many different gifts, so do not look down on your brother for having a different gift than you. The next attitude we need to have is love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. That is verses 9 through 10. And this basically tells us that uh, we need to flee from hypocrisy and we need to honor one another within the church. And then lastly, there are some general character admonishments in verses 11 through 16. Be humble, be diligent, be kind, be woke, etc. <laughs> that's what it says. Yeah, yeah that's what it says. It says. Be woke. That's what Paul the Apostle said, not I'm me. I'm suing you. Okay. <laughs> it's funny because we're making jokes about like the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You guys don't know. Um, you will know in a few episodes when we get there, but we actually kicked off season five by recording first Corinthians and then first. we recorded Romans. And then we, yeah. Even though they're releasing the opposite way. That's just like schedule wise. That's how we had to do it. So then we get the Christian attitude towards non-Christians in verses 17 through 21. And this says, and this is hitting a little bit about what Mark was talking about. If possible, uh, to Nick's point, if possible, be at peace with all people overcome evil with good. This doesn't mean to yell things louder at protests than the other protesters, just FYI. This means to act in a way that counteracts evil. Uh, do kind things. Love people. Serve people. Be woke. Be woke. <laughs> Stay woke. 
because I know you're already woke, so stay woke. Yep. Next is the Christian attitude towards civil rulers. <coughs> Chapter 13, mm. verses 1 through 7. Spicy. Which tells you, be subject to governing authorities. So you take that how you want to. Look at you. Oh, I got an email. Hold on. It's God. He's saying be subject to governing authorities. It's the government. They're listening. (laughs) They say, yeah, listen to us. (laughs) Okay. Next is the Christian attitude to people in general. And this is a very important verse uh, in verse. Well, it's a very important few verses, eight through 10, uh, that says you shall love your neighbor. Following that in Romans 11, or sorry, Romans 13, verses 11 through 14, it says, flee from deeds of darkness and sexual promiscuity and put on Jesus Christ and live in the light. Next is love and liberty section. So this is a bigger portion that's broken down into three. It takes up chapter 14 and the first half of chapter 15. The first part is Christian liberty in uh, chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. And we know where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. (laughs) That's how it goes. (laughs) And here we are at liberty. (laughs) Do you guys remember that? No. No? Oh, okay. So I'm just laughing to myself. Here we are at liberty? Yeah. No, it's it's kind of a very obscure reference. So From what? It's when... uh, uh, Trump was president. He went to Liberty University and he walked up and he started a speech uh, where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty. And here we are at Liberty. Because he, he was that. at Liberty University. Oh, yeah. Nice. He said something like along the lines of that. Oh, no. And I always thought it was hilarious. But I guess that is sort of obscure. Anyways, it says we are to live, Erdy, for the Lord. And besides that, we are able to live by our. I'm sorry. I was trying to hold in the left. <laughs> Besides that, we are able to live by our convictions. We are not... We are not... <laughs> that was Mark's stomach in the morning. <laughs> okay. Now, I have no idea where I am. <laughs> You want me to check real quick? The Christian liberty. So, we are to live for the Lord, and besides that, we are able to live by our convictions. So, basically, we're not to treat others with contempt for doing things that are, I I use the word, legally neutral according to the Bible. So, there's no law against it. We can't look down on others for doing what's based on their own convictions for that. Next is the way of peace and love in verses 13 through 23. Do not tear down others for doing things against your personal conviction. Like I said, things like eating and drinking certain things are morally, more, but they're, they're morally neutral. Uh, and there are several things that are morally neutral according to the law. And those are the things that you are supposed to live by your own convictions. Last part of this major section is Christian unity. And that's chapter 15, verses 1 through 13. It says, accept one another and live to please one another, not yourselves. And so I could go down a whole little spiel about that, but I'm not going to because you are probably sick 
of listening to us at this point. Bruh. Is so, this longer than Jeremiah? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. But there was definitely Mo Fire in Jeremiah. Yep. You Oof. Know? Lastly, the last major section, section number seven. This is chapter the middle of chapter 15 to the end of the book. It starts with Paul calling himself the minister to the Gentiles uh, from verses 14 through 22. Paul then gives a quick overview of his travel plans, which are to stop on the way to Spain. However, Paul did not make it to Spain because he got died. After that, we get the commendation of Phoebe, of Phoebe, uh, and basically that's Paul saying that Phoebe's awesome and treat her well when she gets there. And then after that, there is his greetings to a bunch of random people in Romans where Paul says, tell all my friends, I says, hi's. And then after that, we do get a small serious portion where there's a doctrinal warning in chapter 16, verses 17 through 20, where he says, do not pay attention to people that preach against what Paul is teaching because they're deceivers. And then we get (laughs) greetings from people that are with Paul to the Romans peoples. And that is Timothy and a bunch of other people that you have not heard of saying hi to people in Rome that you don't know and you don't care about. And then lastly, we have the doxology in verses 25 through 27, which is to Jesus be the glory. Amen and amen. Sounds like rain. <laughs> that clapping was boiling, bro. Those claps are boiling. Oh, man. That is the best feature on this soundboard. So that is it. That is the Book of Romans. Uh, it was a blast to have Dwayne on. Thanks for joining the show, brother. I can't wait to meet you at G3. Yes. I can't Can wait. For those of you that don't know about G3, and don't know about Dwayne. Dwayne, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find more of you, what exactly you do, and what is G3? Yeah, man. So first of all, thank you guys for having me on the show. Definitely an honor and a privilege to be here, man. And I had so much fun. And you guys do your homework, man. That's one of the things I love about this podcast is you take your time and walk through scripture and it's nothing like anything that I, I I have on my network. And so that was one of the reasons why I really wanted you guys on. So definitely big hat tip to, to you guys for that. You, your, your work is awesome. It's uh, it looks good. Your Instagram page is the bomb. I just want to give you those quick uh, attaboys and, and kudos before I get out of here. But uh, my name is Dwayne. You can find me anywhere at Dwayne 21, uh, either on uh, Instagram or Twitter. Um, and I am the founder of the Bar Podcast Network, a network that is based on solid, solid biblical content with good quality. And um, the, the vision for that network is when you see the logo, you know that there's solid biblical content. Not only that, but there's also good quality when it comes to podcasting. You can find all of that stuff at thebarpodcast.com to check out all the podcasts in the network, like this wonderful one. You just go hit down that uh, network tab, and uh, we would love to uh, hear from you, get some feedback from you. Again, thank you guys for having me, man. This is super dope. And uh, again, can't wait to see it at G3. Oh, by the way, G3 is a uh, biannual conference in Atlanta, Georgia, where they have great speakers like uh, Steve Lawson, Vody Bakum, uh, Dr. John MacArthur, um, a whole lot of great uh 
preachers and speakers and a whole lot of great vendors. The Bar Network would have a booth there. Um, Bible Dingers would have a booth there. Just thinking to have a booth there. So uh, it's going to be a Bar Network uh, takeover. And if you are attending, make sure on Friday you wear your Bible Dingers gear so we yes. can take pictures and share and all of that stuff, man. And definitely grateful and uh, can't wait to see you guys. Dwayne, my man, good good job. Uh, we look forward to our continued relationship and uh, doing this again. For sure, brother. Thanks, man. Ding on, Dwayne. Later. Ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, thanks again, Dwayne. Uh, so, guys, if you enjoyed what you heard today, uh, you can find anything uh, that we put out as far as podcasts, YouTube videos, blog posts. Patreon. Patreon. You why you why patron, you drop bro. patron right in the middle of what I'm saying? Drop your patron. I'm not bro. done yet. All right, keep going. We'll do it again. Do it again. You can find anything. Patron. <laughs> I don't know where I am. Why don't we? You know what? what We're real. Like, We're real on Bible dingers. You you hear what what we say? No. You know what I mean? No. Do it again. So then on top of that, we have all kinds of stuff strictly for patrons. We have a Discord chat. We have an Instagram chat. We have Bible studies. We have releases before you get them on Apple Podcasts, before you get them on YouTube. We have besides besides the Heens stuff <laughs> besides, where you besides the Heens? get the you will get our outlines from the show uh, because besides it's a lot to follow along with. And if you have the outline with you, it's much easier to study the book. But that's all on Patreon, patreon.com yeah. slash Bible Dingers. Besides the Heens. Besides the Heens. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was our show on the Book of Romans. We hope you liked it. If you like our material, please go on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can search us at Bible Dingers across the board. And while you're there... Just give me the likes, don't pass and scroll. Don't pass and scroll. Make sure you hit subscribe, hit follow, hit like, and most importantly, ding on. Bible dingers. did it man you gotta get the closing down bro that patron's all you i didn't i didn't get there <laughs> i didn't get there yet Patreon.